Thousands of candles can be lighted from a single candle, and the life of the candle will not be shortened. Happiness never decreased by being shared. It is a very good deed to cast away greed and to cherish a mind of charity. It is still better to keep one's mind intent on respecting the noble path. One should get rid of a selfish mind and replace it with a mind that is earnest to help others. An act to make another happy inspires the other to make still another happy, and so happiness is born from such an act. How are you guys doing? I'm a Buddhist living in Tokyo. There's a cool autumn breeze here. Let's listen to The Way of Purification. Steps to Awakening, Together. People have worldly passions which lead them into delusions and sufferings. There are five ways to emancipate themselves from the bond of worldly passions. First, they should have right ideas of things, ideas that are based on careful observation, and understand causes and effects and their significance correctly. Since the cause of suffering is rooted in the mind's desires and attachments, and since desire and attachment are related to mistaken observations by an ego self, neglecting the significance of the law of cause and effect, and since it is from these wrong observations, there can be peace only if the mind can be rid of these worldly passions. Second, people can get rid of these mistaken observations and resulting worldly passions by careful and patient mind control. With efficient mind control they can avoid desires arising from the stimulation of the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, skin and the subsequent mental processes and, by so doing, cut off the very root of all worldly passions. Third, they should have correct ideas with regard to the proper use of all things. That is, with regard to articles of food and clothing, they should not think of them in relation to comfort and pleasure, but only in their relation to the body's needs. Clothing is necessary to protect the body against extremes of heat and cold, and to conceal the shame of the body while it is training for enlightenment and buddhahood. Worldly passions cannot arise through such thinking. Fourth, people should learn endurance. They should learn to endure the discomforts of heat and cold, hunger and thirst. They should learn to be patient when receiving abuse and scorn. For it is the practice of endurance that quenches the fire of worldly passions which is burning up their bodies. Fifth, people should learn to see and so avoid all danger. Just as a wise man keeps away from wild horses or mad dogs, so one should not make friends with evil men, nor should he go to places that wise men avoid. If one practices caution and prudence, the fire of worldly passions which is burning in their vitals will die down. There are five groups of desires in the world. Desires arising from the forms the eyes see, from the sounds the ears hear, from the fragrances the nose smells, from tastes pleasant to the tongue, from things that are agreeable to the sense of touch. From these five doors to desire come the body's love of comfort. Most people, being influenced by the body's love of comfort, do not notice the evils that follow comfort, and they are caught in a devil's trap like a deer in the forest caught in a hunter's trap. Indeed, these five doors of desires arising from the senses are the most dangerous traps. When caught by them, people are entangled in worldly passions and suffer. They should know how to get rid of these traps. There is no one way to get free from the trap of worldly passions. Suppose you caught a snake, a crocodile, a bird, a dog, a fox and a monkey, six creatures of very different natures, and you tie them together with a strong rope and let them go. 
Each of these six creatures will try to go back to its own lair by its own method. The snake will seek a covering of grass, the crocodile will seek water, the bird will want to fly in the air, the dog will seek a village, the fox will seek the solitary ledges, and the monkey will seek the trees of a forest. In the attempt of each to go its own way there will be a struggle, but, being tied together by a rope, the strongest at any one time will drag the rest. Like the creatures in this parable, man is tempted in different ways by the desires of his six senses, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, touch and mind, and is controlled by the predominant desire. If the six creatures are all tied to a post, they will try to get free until they are tired out, and then will lie down by the post. Just like this, if people will train and control the mind there will be no further trouble from the other five senses. If the mind is under control people will have happiness both now and in the future. People love their egoistic comfort, which is a love of fame and praise. But fame and praise are like incense that consumes itself and soon disappears. If people chase after honors and public acclaim and leave the way of truth, they are in serious danger and will soon have cause for regret. A man who chases after fame and wealth and love affairs is like a child who licks honey from the blade of a knife. While he is tasting the sweetness of honey, he has to risk hurting his tongue. He is like a man who carries a torch against a strong wind, the flame will surely burn his hands and face. One must not trust his own mind that is filled with greed, anger and foolishness. One must not let his mind run free, but must keep it under strict control. To attain perfect mind control is a most difficult thing. Those who seek enlightenment must first rid themselves of the fire of all desires. Desire is a raging fire, and one seeking enlightenment must avoid the fire of desire as a man carrying a load of hay avoids sparks. But it would be foolish for a man to put out his eyes for fear of being tempted by beautiful forms. The mind is master and if the mind is under control, the weaker desire will disappear. It is difficult to follow the way to enlightenment, but it is more difficult if people have no mind to seek such a way. Without enlightenment, there is endless suffering in this world of life and death. When a man seeks the way to enlightenment, it is like an ox carrying a heavy load through a field of mud. If the ox tried to do its best without paying attention to other things, it can overcome the mud and take a rest. Just so, if the mind is controlled and kept on the right path, there will be no mud of greed to hinder it and all its suffering will disappear. Those who seek the path to enlightenment must first remove all egoistic pride and be humbly willing to accept the light of Buddha's teachings. All the treasures of the world, and its gold and silver and honors, are not to be compared with wisdom and virtue. To enjoy good health, to bring true happiness to one's family, to bring peace to all, one must first discipline and control one's own mind. If a man can control his mind he can find the way to enlightenment, and all wisdom and virtue will naturally come to him. Just as treasures are uncovered from the earth, so virtue appears from good deeds, and wisdom appears from a pure and peaceful mind. To walk safely through the maze of human life, one needs the light of wisdom and the guidance of virtue. The Buddha's teaching, which tells people how to eliminate greed, anger and foolishness, is good teaching and those who follow it attain the happiness of a good life. Human beings tend to move in the direction of their thoughts. If they harbor greedy thoughts, they become more greedy. If they think angry thoughts, they become more angry. If they hold foolish thoughts, their feet move in that direction. At harvest time farmers keep their herds confined, 
lest they break through the fences into the field and give cause for complaint or for being killed, so people must closely guard their minds against dishonesty and misfortune. They must eliminate thoughts that stimulate greed, anger and foolishness, but encourage thoughts that stimulate charity and kindness. When spring comes and the pastures have an abundance of green grass, farmers turn their cattle loose, but even then they keep a close watch over them. It is so with the minds of people, even under the best of conditions of mind will bear watching. At one time Shakyamuni Buddha was staying in the town of Kausambi. In this town there was one who resented him and who bribed wicked men to circulate false stories about him. Under these circumstances it was difficult for his disciples to get sufficient food from their begging and there was much abuse in that town. Ananda said to Shakyamuni, We had better not stay in a town like this. There are other and better towns to go to. We had better leave this town. The Blessed One replied, Suppose the next town is like this, what shall we do then? Then we move to another. The Blessed One said, No, Ananda, there will be no end in that way. We had better remain here and bear the abuse patiently until it ceases, and then we move to another place. There are profit and loss, slander and honor, praise and abuse, suffering and pleasure in this world. The enlightened one is not controlled by these external things, they will cease as quickly as they come. Those who seek the way of enlightenment must always bear in mind the necessity of constantly keeping their body, speech and mind pure. To keep the body pure one must not kill any living creature, one must not steal or commit adultery. To keep speech pure one must not lie, or abuse, or deceive, or indulge in idle talk. To keep the mind pure one must remove all greed, anger and false judgment. If the mind becomes impure, for sure, one's deeds will be impure if the deeds are impure, there will be suffering. So it is of the greatest importance that the mind and the body be kept pure. Once there was a rich widow who had a reputation for kindness, modesty and courtesy. She had a housemaid who was wise and diligent. One day the maid thought, my mistress has a very good reputation, I wonder whether she is good by nature, or is good because of her surroundings. I will try her and find out. The following morning the maid did not appear before her mistress until nearly noon. The mistress was vexed and scolded her impatiently. The maid replied, If I am lazy for only a day or two, you ought not to become impatient. Then the mistress became angry. The next day the maid got up late again. This made the mistress very angry and she struck the maid with a stick. This became widely known and the rich widow lost her good reputation. Many people are like this woman. While their surroundings are satisfactory they are kind, modest and quiet, but it is questionable if they will behave likewise when the conditions change and become unsatisfactory. It is only when a person maintains a pure and peaceful mind and continues to act with goodness when unpleasant words enter his ears, when others show ill will toward him or when he lacks sufficient food, clothes and shelter, that we may call him good. Therefore, those who do good deeds and maintain a peaceful mind only when their surroundings are satisfactory are not really good people. Only those who have received the Buddha's teachings and are training their minds and bodies by those teachings can be called truly good, modest and peaceful people. As to the suitability of words to be used there are five pairs of antonyms. Words that are suitable to their occasions and those not so suitable to theirs. Words that fit the facts and those that don't fit. Words that sound pleasant and those that sound rude words that are beneficial and those that are harmful, and words that are sympathetic and those that are hateful.
Whatever words we utter should be chosen with care for people will hear them and be influenced by them for good or ill. If our minds are filled with sympathy and compassion, they will be resistant to the evil words we hear. We must not let wild words pass our lips lest they arouse feelings of anger and hatred. The words we speak should always be words of sympathy and wisdom. Suppose there is a man who wants to remove all the dirt from the ground. He uses a spade and a winnow and works perseveringly scattering the dirt all about, but it is an impossible task. Like this foolish man we can not hope to eliminate all words. We must train our mind and fill our hearts with sympathy so that we will be undisturbed by the words spoken by others. One might try to paint a picture with watercolors on the blue sky, but it is impossible. And it is also impossible to dry up a great river by the heat of a torch made of hay, or to produce a crackling noise by rubbing together two pieces of well-tanned leather. Like these examples, people should train their minds so that they would not be disturbed by whatever kinds of words they might hear. They should train their minds and keep them broad as the earth, unlimited as the sky, deep as the big river and soft as well-tanned leather. Even if your enemy catches and tortures you, if you feel resentment, you are not following the Buddha's teachings. Under every circumstance you should learn to think, my mind is unshakable. Words of hatred and anger shall not pass my lips. I will surround my enemy with thoughts of sympathy and pity that flow out from a mind filled with compassion for all sentient life. There is a fable told of a man who found an anthill which burned in the daytime and smoked at night. He went to a wise man and asked his advice as to what he should do about it. The wise man told him to dig into it with a sword. This the man did. He found in succession a gate bar, some bubbles of water, a pitchfork, a box, a tortoise, a butcher knife, a piece of meat and, finally, a dragon which came out. The man reported to the wise man what he had found. The wise man explained the significance of it and said, Throw away everything but the dragon, leave the dragon alone and do not disturb him. This is a fable in which, anthill, represents the human body. Burned in the daytime, represents the fact that during the day people turn into acts the things they thought about the previous night. Smoked at night, indicates the fact that people during the night recall with pleasure or regret the things they did the previous day. In the same fable, a man, means a person who seeks enlightenment. A wise man, means Buddha. A sword, means pure wisdom. Dig into it, refers to the effort he must make to gain enlightenment. Further in the fable, gate bar, represents ignorance, bubbles, or puffs of suffering and anger. Pitchfork, suggests hesitation and uneasiness. Box, suggests the storage of green, anger, laziness, fickleness, repentance and delusion. Tortoise, means the body and the mind. Butcher knife, means the synthesis of the five sensory desires. And, a piece of meat, means the resulting desire that causes a man to covet after satisfaction. These things are all harmful to man and so Buddha said, throw away everything. Still further, dragon, indicates a mind that has eliminated all worldly passions. If a man digs into the things about him with the sword of wisdom he will finally come to his dragon. Leave the dragon alone and do not disturb him, means to go after and dig up a mind free of worldly desires. Pindola, a disciple of Buddha, after gaining enlightenment, returned to his native place of Kausambi to repay the people there for the kindness they had shown him. In so doing he prepared the field for the sowing of Buddha seeds. 
On the outskirts of Kausambi there is a small park that runs along the bank of the Ganges River shaded by endless rows of coconut trees and where a cool wind continually blows. One hot summer day, Pindola sat in meditation in the cool shade of a tree when King Udayana came to this park with his consorts for recreation and, after music and pleasure, he took a nap in the shade of another tree. While their king was asleep, his wives and ladies-in-waiting took a walk and suddenly came upon Pindola sitting in meditation. They recognized him as a holy man and asked him to teach them, and they listened to his sermon. When the king awoke from his nap, he went in search of his ladies and found them surrounding this man and listening to his teaching. Being of a jealous and lascivious mind, the king became angry and abused Pindola, saying, It is inexcusable that you, a holy man, should be in the midst of women and enjoy idle talking with them. Pindola quietly closed his eyes and remained silent. The angry king drew his sword and threatened Pindola, but the holy man remained silent and was as firm as a rock. This made the king still more angry so he broke open an anthill and threw some of the ant-filled dirt upon him, but still Pindola remained sitting in meditation, quietly enduring the insult and pain. Thereupon, the king became ashamed of his ferocious conduct and begged Pindola's pardon. As a result of this incident, the Buddhist teaching found its way into the king's castle and from there it spread all over the country. A few days later King Udayana visited Pindola in the forest retreat where he lived and asked him, Honored teacher, how is it that the disciples of Buddha can keep their bodies and minds pure and untempted by lust, although they are mostly young men? Pindola replied, Noble Lord, Buddha has taught us to respect all women. He has taught us to look upon all old women as our mothers, upon those of our own age as our sisters, and upon younger ones as our daughters. Because of this teaching the disciples of Buddha are able to keep their bodies and minds pure and untempted by lust although they are youthful. But, honored teacher, one may have impure thoughts of a woman the age of a mother or a sister or a daughter. How do the disciples of Buddha control their desires? Noble Lord, the Blessed One taught us to think of our bodies as secreting impurities of all kinds such as blood, pus, sweat and oils. By thinking thus, we, although young, are able to keep our minds pure. Honored teacher, still press the king. It may be easy for you to do this for you have trained your body and mind, and polished your wisdom, but it would be difficult for those who have not yet had such training. They may try to remember the impurities but their eyes will follow beautiful forms. They may try to see the ugliness but they will be tempted by the beautiful figures just the same. There must be some other reason that the young men among the Buddha's disciples are able to keep their actions pure. Noble Lord, replied Pindola, the Blessed One teaches us to guard the doors of the five senses. When we see beautiful figures and colors with our eyes, when we hear pleasant sounds with our ears, when we smell fragrance with our nose, or when we taste sweet things with our tongue or touch soft things with our hands, we are not to become attached to these attractive things. We are taught to carefully guard the doors of these five senses. It is by this teaching of the Blessed One that even young disciples are able to keep their minds and bodies pure. The teaching of Buddha is truly marvelous. From my own experience I know that if I confront anything beautiful or pleasing, without being on my guard, I am disturbed by the senses' impressions. It is of vital importance that we be on guard at the doors of the five senses, at all times to keep our deeds pure. Whenever a person expresses the thought of his mind in action there is always a reaction that follows. If one abuses you, there is a temptation to answer back, or to be revenged. 
One should be on guard against this natural reaction. It is like spitting against the wind, it harms no one but oneself. It is like sweeping dust against the wind, it does not get rid of the dust but defiles oneself. Misfortune always dogs the steps of one who gives way to the desire for revenge. It is a very good deed to cast away greed and to cherish a mind of charity. It is still better to keep one's mind intent on respecting the noble path. One should get rid of a selfish mind and replace it with a mind that is earnest to help others. An act to make another happy inspires the other to make still another happy, and so happiness is born from such an act. Thousands of candles can be lighted from a single candle, and the life of the candle will not be shortened. Happiness never decreased by being shared. Those who seek enlightenment must be careful of their each step. No matter how high one's aspiration may be, it must be attained step by step. The steps of the path to enlightenment must be taken in our everyday life. At the very beginning of the path to enlightenment there are 20 difficulties for us to overcome in this world, and they are. 1. It is hard for a poor man to be generous. 2. It is hard for a proud man to learn the way of enlightenment. 3. It is hard to seek enlightenment at the cost of self-sacrifice. 4. It is hard to be born while Buddha is in the world. 5. It is hard to hear the teaching of Buddha. 6. It is hard to keep the mind pure against the instincts of the body. 7. It is hard not to desire things that are beautiful and attractive. 8. It is hard for a strong man not to use his strength to satisfy his desires. 9. It is hard not to get angry when one is insulted. 10. It is hard to remain innocent when tempted by sudden circumstances. 11. It is hard to apply oneself to study widely and thoroughly. 12. It is hard not to despise a beginner. 13. It is hard to keep oneself humble. 14. It is hard to find good friends. 15. It is hard to endure the discipline that leads to enlightenment. 16. It is hard not to be disturbed by external conditions and circumstances. 17. It is hard to teach others by knowing their abilities. 18. It is hard to maintain a peaceful mind. 19. It is hard not to argue about right and wrong. 20. It is hard to find and learn a good method. Good men and bad men differ from each other in their natures. Bad men do not recognize a sinful act as sinful, if its sinfulness is brought to their attention, they do not cease doing it and do not like to have anyone inform them of their sinful acts. Wise men are sensitive to right and wrong, they cease doing anything as soon as they see that it is wrong. They are grateful to anyone who calls their attention to such wrong acts. Thus good men and bad men differ radically. Bad men never appreciate kindness shown them, but wise men appreciate and are grateful. Wise men try to express their appreciation and gratitude by some return of kindness, not only to their benefactor, but to everyone else. Thank you for listening. This passage from the podcast was excerpted and edited from Teachings of the Buddha, published by Bukkyo Dendo Kyoke. They own the copyright of the book. The name means Buddhist Missionary Association in Japanese and has an office in Minato-ku, Tokyo. You will have access to Buddhist scriptures translated into languages from around the world.
Next time we will listen to, a parable told by Buddha. Goodbye, see you soon.